this is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Ake. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share the disciplines that he practices every day that allows him to achieve a life of success. Today's Everyday Leader helps us understand how having hope in your life can change your outcomes. You see, hope is about your mindset, and it's defined as having only positive expectations. If you believe in positive expectations, then that's what you'll receive. You must be intentional and believe in the possibilities in your life. This important lesson is one that you too can apply every day to live your life with success. Dan Caldwell is my guest today. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, show 42 starts now. Welcome to the program, Dan. Well, thank you, Melanie. Pleasure to be here. Dan Caldwell is my guest today on Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, show 42, rounding out the year. This has been such a fun experience. And Dan, you're on my program because you influenced me in such a special way. I had joined the John Maxwell team, and I got on one of the many, 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 many calls that we can get on, and I thought, well, I don't know what this is about, but I'm going to jump on here and introduce myself, and by golly, you were on the other end of that line, and we just hit it off (laughs) because you're part of the John Maxwell team coaching and and helping people with, I don't know, there's 18 calls, it feels like a day. but, but yeah, you you are on this journey, so I'm happy to have you on my program because you have such a special message, you have such, such a special spirit, and I can't wait to share your story with people. Oh, well, thank you. That's, that's very kind of you. I, I, I've never looked at myself as being special. I've looked at myself just being me. And if that makes a person special, then I guess everyone that's listening to this is special as well, aren't they? Well, it, it is. It's about connecting to people. And you have such a gift, and you've been dedicated, and I'm really going to talk about this more. But in the John Maxwell team, you are really looked at, too, as one of the leaders. And uh, my first international, um, my Maxwell certification that I attended, you got to be on stage with John Maxwell. And I was so proud of just knowing you and watching you through your journey. And that's what leadership is all about. You're leading others, mentoring others, and you do that so naturally. And, and so this year has been all about recognizing people that may not understand that they're a leader, but you do know you're a leader, and I want to talk about the things that you really intentionally do to help and influence, inspire others. Well, thank you. It was very humbling to be on stage with John, and uh, even to travel with John to other countries. It's it's just very humbling to be around a man who's actually known for leadership and be associated to him in some small way. So thank you. That was very kind. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing journey, and, and I know you know people that are involved in this John Maxwell team, it has been kind of transformational, I think, for a lot of us because you can get involved in groups, you can be involved in clubs and networking, um, memberships in Zig Ziglar, you know, following different leaders. But as John Maxwell is the number one leadership coach trainer in the world, and that's not just yes. by his team that thinks that. <laughs> 
That's by everybody that that has any kind of influential opinion. And mm-hmm. and he believes it. He has he teaches us so many things about why that is possible for him, but it's really he has followed his passion like we're following our passion. And and that's what he inspires people to do. <laughs> and so it's it, it is it really is. And it's pretty simple. You know, when you look at it, there's lots of books out there that talk about the secret and how you connect to people and how you influence people. And what we know, right, is leadership is all about influence. And so tell me about your life, Dan. You're in Evansville, Indiana. You're you're a minister at your church. You are a John Maxwell team coach and and get on lines with people all over the world. You travel all over the world. But John, tell me about your day-to-day life. What does that look like for Dan Caldwell? Wow. That, uh, thank you. That's a great question. <laughs> and uh, my everyday life is uh, never the same. So it's always changing every day. And that's, uh, that's what keeps me going and keeps me motivated. But uh, uh, yeah, as, as a John Maxwell team member and part of the John Maxwell team faculty, uh, I do have the honor of being on calls every week with other John Maxwell team members and sharing a part of my journey, uh, my journey to where I am today. And as John says, leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. And, and I've had the pleasure of being able to influence a lot of people over the years. You mentioned that I, that I was in ministry, uh, my wife and I completed 50-plus years in pastoral ministry. But uh, before that, I was in corporate America, where I was a senior vice president for a $30 billion corporation. And so I've every step of my journey, I've been at some level of leadership. And so leadership is just something that's natural. And when I say natural, it's natural to me to want to connect with people and want to connect with them where they are, not where I am. Mm-hmm. And part, part of that journey has connected me to some really great people. And what I found out in this leadership journey, Melanie, is that not everyone who starts with me is going to finish with me. And if I continue my growth, which I'm, I'm destined to do, I'm a, I'm a lifetime learner, I'm going to continue learning for the rest of my natural life, that not everyone who's on the journey with me feels the same way. And so as I grow, sometimes uh, I've outgrown those people that I was connected to uh, in that stage of the journey. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. I'm not trying to make them do anything that, that they don't want to do. If they want to come along with it. That's great. But if not, I can't allow them to hold me back from uh, accomplishing all the things that I believe that I was put on the planet to do. My everyday life is is uh, very regimented, and I'm a, I'm a very detailed person, and so um, I always spend time every morning, and when I say every morning, I mean every morning uh, in the Word and spend time in devotion with the Lord, asking for uh, divine direction and covering and open doors. Now, if people aren't a, pe- a person of faith, well, then uh, I'm not trying to push it on anyone. It's just that I am, and so that's that's my first step every day. And then every day I read. Uh, I'm reading something constantly, and every day I write. And uh, so uh, every day I'm going through some kind of training mechanism. I'm listening to recordings, um, uh, or I'm reading books, or I'm writing information and content that uh, at a seminar. But I'm I'm trying to learn something new every day. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my that's kind of my my daily routine. And in that routine comes out uh, coaching, where I actually coach CEOs, 
CFOs, COOs, HR directors, and leadership teams of, of companies. But then also, uh, I, I've continued speaking uh, over the years. And so I, I do that. Normally, I'll speak a couple of times a week, and I'll coach uh, Monday through Friday. I'll coach at least uh, four out of those five days. Mm-hmm. So. There you have it. That's kind of what I do every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are a gifted counselor, and that's, you know, it takes a lot of patience and and really practice in, in really developing those kind of skills to be good at that. And so, like you said, 50-plus years in ministry, I mean, that's, uh, that's to be commended. So congratulations to you on that. That's, uh, that's a commitment. It is. Thank you. And, and I've enjoyed, I wish I'd tell you, I enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> I haven't. I have not. I, but I've grown in every minute of it. There's no question about that. Uh, and so it's just been a process of life. Uh, and so my, my lifetime partner, my wife and I have been married 51 years. And so we've grown together in ministry and we've grown together in life, uh, just doing what we enjoy doing. And at this season of our, in our, of our life, we feel like we're in the season of giving back. We want to give back to everyone that we come in contact with and just share some of the things we've learned on the journey so they don't have to make the same mistakes that we did. <laughs> That's amazing. And and so let me ask you, going way back, before you started in your corporate America job even, who were, who were your mentors? Who was influencing you uh, at that time in your life? Great question. Probably without a question, uh, my mother was a, was a great influence on my life back in those days. And, of course, my pastor. Uh, my father passed away uh, when I was 14 years old. And at the age of 14, I became the, I was the oldest. And so I became the man of the house and was working three jobs through high school. And please, I'm not telling that to you so anybody feels sorry for me or, or doesn't owe. It, it, it was a part of the process that I had to go through. And I'm not telling you that to impress you, but rather to impress upon you mm-hmm. that the circumstances that come to your life come to your life, and you get to choose how you process them. And for me, I process that as responsible because I'm the oldest. Now I have to step up. And so, I, I again, I don't begrudge any of this, but I worked three jobs through high school. I had a younger brother that I helped put through school and uh, continue to keep a roof over our head and help pay the bills and do whatever was necessary to get to where I was. So my mother was an influence, but my pastor was, was definitely an influence because he kept speaking things into me. He offered me opportunities to, to speak and to minister, gave me every opportunity to grow gave me great books to read, uh, took me to meetings uh, where I, I met other people that, that had an influence on my life and could speak into my life. So uh, in the early years, it was all the influence I had was focused around family and was certainly focused around church. My grandmother uh, was a, 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 on both sides of my family. Both of them were, were uh, people of faith. My grandfather on my father's side was actually a pastor, a minister. And so uh, looking at that, I didn't have a choice but to be a person of faith, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, grand, my grandpa used to say, I'd rather have all the police in Evansville, Indiana after me as to have one praying saint of God praying for me. <laughs> and th- thinking about that, I understood what he, what he meant when I was just a little kid and, and made all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he had said to my brother and I that you, you young men will be uh, preachers, you will be singers and musicians, and that God's going to use your life to affect the lives of others while you're on the planet. And that, that is exactly what has happened. 
Uh, it was just a prophetic word over our lives when we were just young. Wow. And see, and so many people are still searching for that in their life. And they look back and, you know, John teaches us when we become a part of the John Maxwell team is to go back and look, look at your story, look at your life mm-hmm. and connect to your story so that you could influence the things that you're really gifted in and strong in. And that's exactly what you've been able to do and why you're so successful in helping and inspiring others, because it's the gift that you've been given and it's coming through you to others. Exactly correct. And, you know, it's, it's not any of my goodness. It's not, it's not who I am or what I've done, but it's certainly my story brings him glory. Mm-hmm. And so my story is, is what I've walked through and I can share that uh, without fear of reprisal uh, because I've, I've walked it out and sharing that with other people. There are other people that may be in the same circumstances. And I just want them to know there's hope. Mm-hmm. You don't have to accept the status quo. You don't have to accept that this is just the way it is, but there's hope. And the, the acronym for hope, I really like, only it says having only positive expectations. Oh, I, love I have only... I have only positive expectations for my life and those that I'm connected with. Yep. I love that. I'm, I'm writing that down right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you can take it and use it. It was not original at all. <laughs> That's really great. Well, it's so true, though, you know, because there's a lot of people that want hope, right? They say, I want hope, or I hope this turns out okay. And, and some mm-hmm. people feel like that would mean that they don't have any control over it. They're hoping for mm-hmm. it. But if you really think about having only positive expectations, that gives you the sense of control and power back around that energy. So whatever that is, right, thinking into having only positive expectations, your expectations should be the minimum. <laughs> and so, they should. Yeah, so that, that is a really great acronym. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that forever. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to steal that. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to steal it. As I said, it's not original, and you're certainly welcome to it. Oh, that's but, great. So, you know, the other, the other thing, thinking about that, uh, my favorite book says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so it really is about the way we think. And our thinking process, what we think about actually become words, and then our words become actions. And so if, we, if we're thinking right thoughts, then we start speaking right thoughts, and those right thoughts become actionable items in our life, and we begin to flesh them out. I, I say flesh them out because that simply means we have application for the information, and we begin to walk them out. And as we begin to walk them out, they become reality to us. And so, you know, uh, sometimes I, I know I have, just just being very candid, sometimes I've had stinking thinking. And <laughs> what, I was, what I was thinking came out in the words that I said, and I heard myself say it, and I'm going, oh my goodness, did I really just say that? And you have to sequester that and bring every thought. Again, my favorite book says bringing every thought into captivity. And so those, those negative thoughts, bring them into captivity and submit them to the Lord and get them under your feet so you can begin to move forward and progress in a way that he intended for you to. He didn't design anything to offend you or hurt you. He designed this life for you to have joy in it. You're not an accident. You may have surprised somebody when you arrived on the planet, but you didn't surprise him. Mm -hmm. And because you didn't surprise him, he has a plan for your life. 
My, again, my favorite book says the steps of a good man and woman are ordered of the Lord. And so I believe that where I am today has simply been ordered by God uh, through no, no fault of my own or through no help of my own. Amen. I love that because, you know, we talk about so much, so much energy around the things that we think into. But when we really, when we really talk about at the end of our life, right? At the end of our life, what will that look like? When we get to the pearly gates, if we believe, if we're people of faith and we say, what will God say to us? Is it mm-hmm. you are, you get you know, to enter or not? Or is it, have you, what have you done to use the gifts that I've given you? Right? Right. And right. I, and I really right. think about that a lot of times when, when coaching clients, it's, Man, people are so afraid sometimes to tune into their gifts because it may be something that's pulling at them, but they don't have the time, the money, the energy, the resources, the support to take that step and to to try to experience that. And so they they remain kind of stuck and they pull back and, and they're kind of miserable because of it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so yes. sad to watch. And so you think about like if you have a personal relationship with your God, whoever, you know, whatever that looks like, right? And and so I think we are all going to be challenged at the end to say, however long your life expectancy was on this earth, what what did you do with the things that you were gifted in? I totally agree with that. And uh, it reminds me of another story uh, from, from the scripture, Melanie. And uh, so uh, there was two prophets in the Old Testament. One was Elijah, and his servant was Elisha. And at the end of Elijah's life, Elijah had actually uh, performed, with God's assistance and help and direction, seven great miracles. And Elisha, when Elijah asked Elisha what he wanted, because he followed him from Gilgal to Bethel and, and followed through the Jordan and followed through the process, he asked him, well, what do you want? And Elisha says, I want a double portion of what you have. And sometimes people say, well, I'd like to have the gift that you have, or I'd like to have uh, the the grace that you have, or I'd like to have the testimony you have. Well, in order to have that, you have to have done what I've done. You have to have gone through what I've gone through. You've had to experience what I've experienced. Well, the long story was that Elijah, uh, Elijah told Elisha, said, if you see me when I go away, you can have it. And so, as the story goes ahead, you find out that they're standing there, and Elijah is caught up, uh, chariot far, and caught up in a whirlwind, and they're separated. And Elisha went ahead to perform thirteen great miracles, fulfilling the, the word that Elijah gave him. But he, when he died, Elijah had only Elisha had only performed thirteen miracles, not fourteen. So there wasn't a double portion, but. There was a battle going on, and Elisha had already been buried and put in a grave. There was a battle going on, and during this battle, a man was killed, and they couldn't find any place to bury him, so they threw him in the grave of Elisha. And whenever his bones came in contact with the dead bones of Elisha, according to what the Bible said, the man came back to life, jumped up, and began to run after those that had thrown him into the grave and pursued them. And the moral of the story is, don't die with anything left in you. Mm-hmm. 
Don't die with another book that you need to write. Don't die with another song that you need to, to put the pen. Don't die with another meeting that you should have had but didn't have. Don't die with any regrets. Don't die with anything left in you. Because if you die with anything left in you, when you do the stand, stand before him and he asks you to give account, uh, then he's going to ask you about the things you didn't do. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm going to, I'm going to pour it all out. We use the term when I was, when I was uh, playing athletics is leave it all on the field or leave it all on the court. Uh, I'm going to leave it all out there. So when I do stand before him, I won't have to make an excuse for what I didn't do, mm-hmm. uh, that I, that I poured it all out. There's nothing left in the tank. Yeah, that is such a great lesson. So many people, you know, that we we know in our lives are so good at what they may be doing in their career or they've they've gone to school and they've learned lessons. You know, and we and we talk about personal growth and we're so connected to this because of our journeys. But people Mm -hmm. that can step back and say, Maybe I went to school for a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, a therapist, whatever that is, a teacher, right? And you've done that because it's a career that you have been able to be gifted in in school. But if there's something else, right? If there's something else that's in your soul that says, you know, if I did this, I could influence, I could help, I could give back, I could create something that nobody's ever created before. And, and that's this kind of journey, you know, experiencing what that looks like and having the power to step into it and say, who do I need to surround myself with? How do I make that happen? What are the next steps that I can do? And, and as we've learned so many things about, you know, not comparing yourself to others so that you can make what is important to you happen and be fulfilled. And, mm-hmm. and, and I know you see a lot of that and I see, I see a lot of people that are going through that. And I just think it's so important for you have such a practical approach because of your, uh, just your upbringing and, and your natural gifts. But how do you work with people as a coach that are struggling you with know, taking that step or being fearful or comparing themselves as they start their journey? Yeah. That's a great question, Melanie. Thank you for asking that. And, and I really feel like uh, that will help a lot of people when they understand that many times when we go to college, uh, we, we, we pursue a career based on what others want us to pursue or what they expect of us. It's not because we are, we're, we're bested in that or because we've bedded it out. It's simply because someone in our family, maybe our parents, maybe others, expect that of us. And so we try to live up to their expectations only to be disappointed and find out that that's not where we're really connected. Probably, uh, for the most part, people, uh, when, they, when they go to college, candidly, I don't know that when I went to college that I even knew what I wanted to be here and what I wanted to do. I just, I just selected something. In fact, at one time I thought I wanted to be a mortician. And another time I wanted to be a firefighter. Another time I wanted to be a police officer. I, I knew I wanted to serve people, but I couldn't settle, couldn't settle on where or how. But now, see, that's, so, that's what you, when you connect things though, right? When you just stop and think about yeah. like, what is the common thread of all of that? It is to serve people. It is. And here's, here's what I think the first step is. Really, I, I sincerely believe this. I think the first step is giving yourself permission to think outside of the box, to be who you want to be, not who somebody else wants you to be. And you have to give yourself permission, because when you give yourself permission, it means you will disappoint others. 
perhaps, but you won't disappoint yourself. Mm-hmm. And so your life, your life is about you living your life with purpose, on purpose, and for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And and if you don't have a purpose, then find one, <laughs> get one. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't have one, find someone that has a purpose and and, and share theirs. They'll let you borrow it for a while as long as you give it back. <laughs> well, and that's so true. And and we talk about you know once you find that right, once you find whatever it is, whatever that looks like for you designing that, having strategies, developing strategies so that you can figure out those steps. And that's where coaching comes in, right? It's, it does. It's figuring out, hey, this is something that I've not tried or experienced before. So what is that mentor, that coach, whatever, if it's, I hate using this analogy, but it's, I want to lose 25 pounds. Great. How are you going to get there? Well, you got to have a trainer or you got to have a friend that's going to dedicate their time to pushing you to be accountable to it. But that's like anything. If you want to skydive, if you want to learn how to water ski, if you want to learn how to sail a boat, you got to find those people and help you design those steps so that you can accomplish it. And not always easy, right? Not always easy to go through that change because there's a lot of fear. Right. And, and that's why I use that term permission. I think that's where the roadblock is for most of us, is, is giving ourselves permission to do something and be something different than others expect or want of us. Mm-hmm. And and so we try to please everyone around us, and in trying to please them, we displease ourselves. But for coaching, and I love coaching, it's what I do every day of my life. Uh, I, now, to understand that, I do have a degree in counseling. And uh, I'm not saying that again to impress anybody, just so you can draw a point of reference, but that that it doesn't work. I'm sorry. It doesn't work. And not that it's bad. It works great for other people. It just didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I discovered coaching, that was probably six or eight months in on the John Maxwell team, and I didn't want anything to do with coaching because it sounded too much like pastoral counseling, and I'd done that for enough years that, that I decided I didn't ever want to do that again as long as I drew another breath until I actually jumped in, took a look at coaching, uh, followed the process and fell in love with it because uh, what I found out was what didn't work about counseling took all the responsibility and the burden off of me for the outcome. Mm-hmm. And so in, in coaching, I'm asking questions to help them think into their own solutions. I'm not giving someone my response or my solution to their situation uh, and that there's no buy-in to. I'm, I'm actually asking them questions, and they're convincing themselves as I ask them questions that this is the right thing to do or this is the next step to take place, and then they follow suit. In the last six or seven years, I probably have only had two people that did not follow up on what they had committed to do in a coaching session. One of those was very honest and said, I just forgot, mm-hmm. okay? And so I get that. I understand. Got got busy, and he just plain forgot. But went back the next week and took care of him. The other one was very candid and said, you know, I started to do that, and I became fearful. Mm-hmm. I was afraid of what the potential outcome might be mm-hmm. if I did that step, and it hindered me. And we went back and recovered that again. So what was it that was hindering you? What was, what was it that was holding you back? And once we uncovered the root that was producing that fruit, that, that gentleman was able to move forward. So coaching, it, it sounds like an oversimplification. I don't want it to sound that way at all. 
You need a skilled coach to help you walk through that. But simply asking the right question at the right time under the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit can help unlock and those things that are inside of you already, those, those ideas, those business ideas, uh, those, those, uh, those inventions, those, those things that were put in you from the time you were born, that you were designed to be, can be unlocked by uh, an efficient, proficient, ethical coach asking you the right question at the right time and in the right way. I think that is so important because a lot of people you know, that I've, that I've met through life and things say, oh, but my friends have told me that that's not a good idea. Or my family has told me that's not a good idea. And so what a coach does is just, you know, objectively be able to walk with you through this, through this idea or through this phase, you know, that you can really think about and create something that you really have this, this passion or this energy around and so it can right. become reality uh, because there are, you know, we say we surround ourselves by those five people that those are the influencers that are really going to help mm-hmm. us on our journey. And mm-hmm. sometimes if you look at the five people on your hand and you count those, maybe they're not the ones that are giving you all the right influence for what you really want to do. And that's a tough call too, right? Changing those people in your life. Uh, to put the right ones in and take take the wrong ones out. That is one of the biggest hurdles that we have to accomplish. You know, and this is just perspective for me, Amelia. And what 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 happens is when you start growing, the people around you are watching you grow. They're watching you change. They're watching you change your vocabulary. They're watching you change your habits. They're watching this change, and it makes them very uncomfortable if they're not changing and growing with you. And so they will they will say things, not not meaning to, but they'll say things that, that they're trying to, but though they don't mean to, please, they're not bad people. That's not what I'm suggesting. But they'll say things that will sabotage your belief. Mm-hmm. They'll say things like, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. You really think you can do that? <laughs> what, 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 what gives you the privilege to do those types of things? And they're, they're, they're trying to help you, they think. But what happens is they're sowing those negative seeds into your subconscious uh, mind, and, and, and that begins to affect the self-talk that you have. Now, here's the, here's the deal. You're the one that's growing. They're not. And so what is happening while you're growing is you're revealing their lack of growth. Mm-hmm. And it's uncomfortable for them. So in order for them to be comfortable, they have to make you uncomfortable. And so they start saying things that cause that to happen. Well, if they're saying something and they're not happy because you're happy and they're not growing because you're growing, well, then they're not really your friend in the first place. Oh my gosh. Real let's, fr- yeah. Let's talk about real, this. <laughs> real, real friends are happy when you're happy. They're happy when you're growing. They're ecstatic because they're committed to you and that relationship. And here's what I say to people, you know, if you, if you pass me up, great. The people that I've trained and talked to and mentored over the years, if you pass me up, great. I want you to come and take my job. When I was in corporate America, I challenged the people that I'd hired and that worked for me to come take my job. All you can do in that process is just make me look better and make me look smarter. Mm-hmm. But I, if, if, if they can't be happy, oh, my goodness, if they can't be happy, find some new friends because those people are not your friends in the first place. Well, and this just, I love this lesson and I just taught this in one of my 15 laws class, but the law of the mirror. And when we talk Uh about value, 
what you see about yourself and the value that you see in yourself is what you're going to add to your life. And those people around you, if they don't have that same level or interest in themselves or value themselves, that's when things start to get really crazy. (laughs) And that's when, you know, that's when things start to fall apart because they don't really have that same belief about their ability to do and influence Mm -hmm. and inspire. And so they want to tear you down for that because they see you growing and changing and, and you just went through that. But that is uh, chapter three in the 15 invaluable laws of growth, the growth that we teach that you, I, I love it. And I know you love it. And it's, um, it's such an important chapter because as you look at relationships and you look at people, whether in family or work or, you know, career or group settings, it, a lot of the times comes back to, you know, in the group, there's always that one, <laughs> right? There's always yes. that one in the group. And then you can relate it to this law, law and lesson and think, now, how can you help them raise their level of value? How can you help them feel more secure? How can you help them, right, be a part more of the group to feel like they're adding something instead of feeling so afraid and insecure? That's really what that's about. It is. And, and, you know, please, I believe that we're supposed to positively affect everyone that we come in contact with. Now, in, in, in our homes or our businesses, we and even in our vehicles, we have what we refer to as a thermostat. And it sets the temp- temperature in the room, but it, it also records the temperature in the room. Far too many people are just recording what they see rather than sitting what should be seen. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is if, if you're really uh, a thermostat, it has a dual purpose. It not only sets the temperature in the room and it also reports the temperature in the room, we need to be setting the atmosphere and establishing the atmosphere everywhere that we go. So wherever we go and whoever we come in contact will will only be better because we've been there and because we have sown positive seeds into their life and positive thoughts into their life. When you said the law of the mirror, and, and, and that's one of my favorite laws, it, and the law of the rubber band, the law of pain. If I start out, they're all my favorite. <laughs> but, 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 when, but whenever we start talking about the law of the mirror, what the mirror does is it reflects the image that's in front of it. Mm-hmm. And so when it reflects the image of what's in front of it, do you like what you see when you look at yourself? Do you like what you do whenever you think about what you've done? Are you accomplishing all the things that you feel like you're able to accomplish? If you don't like the reflection in the mirror, the reason for the mirror is so you can adjust what you see. Mm-hmm. If you don't like the way things look, then change the way you look at them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, my, my wife... Uh, 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 spends time putting on makeup. I spend time in front of a mirror shaving and, and combing what few hairs I still had left. <laughs> so, you know, we spend time in front of brushing my teeth. I don't know why I stand, because I brush my teeth without looking in the mirror, but then I've got to look at my teeth to see, did I get them clean? Mm-hmm. But it's just, the, it's, it, it's the whole idea. It's reflecting what I see. And, you know, I believe it's important for us to see ourselves correctly, to see our value in a correct way, and then to embrace the value. Everyone that may be listening to your your podcast, Melanie, has value, has great value. And the, the problem with most of us is we don't see our value 
whenever we have been through the filter of everyone else's opinion. Mm-hmm. I love that, the filter, because, you know, every social media app today has a filter, right? And so yeah. we don't want to just yes. put all the things on there. If we had to videotape our lives from the beginning of when we wake up in the morning till we go to bed, everybody's life would look the same. And in social media, we post the things that we're excited about because we want to share that because it inspires us to share it. But we have to understand that everybody's life is pretty consistent. (laughs) There are ups and downs, there's struggles, there's pain, there's joy, there's sadness. And, And so the ones that are really tied up in the social media platform and put the filters on right? And on Instagram, on Facebook, on all of these social media platforms, and they really don't allow to connect on a personal level, that creates a lot of fear today because it's, oh, that looks different, right? And so you start comparing your life to somebody else instead of just saying, hey, what is my purpose? What is it about for me? What's my gift? How do I use it? And then how do I stay really laser focused so that I can you know, really improve the things that I'm great at to influence, inspire, and help create something great in the world. Absolutely. You know, the acronym for fear, and that that is one of the biggest hurdles that most of us have to deal with, the acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean the the evidence is is correct. There may be some evidence, but it's false evidence. And it appears to be real to us, and so it it causes us to be paralyzed and not move forward and not embrace what we would like to try. If you knew that you could not fail, what would you try tomorrow? Mm -hmm. If you knew that no matter what you did, it wasn't going to be a failure, what would you try tomorrow, and what would you do? Or even better yet, who would you be if you knew that you couldn't fail. And I think there are people uh, all across the world, if they knew that they couldn't fail, there's things inside of them that are not their ideas, that were put there uh, by the grand overall designer, that were put inside of them uh, whenever they came to the planet to accomplish. And if they can only embrace the fact or the idea that Excuse me, and I, this this may sound a little direct, but we're not smart enough and we're not good enough to come up with those things on our own. They had to be there had to be a higher power that instilled those things in us. Mm-hmm. If the idea is God given, then the idea is designed for you to be able to fulfill it. I tell people all the time. Whenever they're talking about uh, the gift or this situation or that situation, if you will just, by faith, step out and believe in yourself, then everything that you will need to accomplish what you need to accomplish will be where you're supposed to be when you get there. Mm -hmm. But if you don't ever try, you'll never know. And what a terrible way to lead this life is to, to have regrets. I should have, I could have, I would have. You know, I'm not going to leave here that way. I know you're not either. When I leave here, I'm going to say, I tried. (laughs) I may have messed some things up. I may have bloodied my nose and blacked my eye. But, man, I sure tried, and I had a ball doing it. I enjoyed my life. Well, that's exactly right. And you're such a model 
for so many others, Dan. There's 20,000 members in the John Maxwell team now. And so you're, how many calls are you on a week? Normally I'm on two at the most, sometimes three, mm-hmm. but we do, we do 23 live calls every single week. Now that's just in, that's just in the certification lane. When you move past the certification lane and you move into mentorship and you move on into club level and now you move into to disc and some other things, we have a lot more than 23 of those calls a week. But normally I'll be on at least a couple, two or three calls every week. Mm-hmm. And it's so great because you can now influence up to 20 thousand people. Not everybody's going to get on your call, but, but, you know, you're able to listen to all these calls. So people go back to and watch you online and watch your engagement with other people and see that you're part of John's faculty. And it's so, you know, you're a connected force and it's so important that people really understand your power and your message because here I'm in Indianapolis, you're in Evansville, and I think it's a great, that's location geography, it's awesome to, to be that close to you. But also the things that you're doing through the John Maxwell team, the things that you have access to, and I want to talk a little bit about this, uh, is this um, every year for the last five years now, John has hosted this event and it's called Live to Lead. And he's had speakers that are influential from all, all different walks of the world. And some of them have been on TED Talks. Some of them have been just inspiring presidential candidates. Um, and this year, he had some special guests. And I, the last three years, actually, I met you the first time when I went to um, the Live to Lead in Atlanta a couple of years ago. Simon Sinek, um, Liz Wiseman, Dan Cathy. Um, Amazing, amazing journey to be able to see that live in Atlanta. And this year, you're also, you usually get a license to rebroadcast that, and you're doing that this year again, correct? That's correct. This is my my fifth year of doing that, and uh, love, love the content and love being able to offer that. Uh, to uh, our area and our community. And so, yeah, we're doing a rebroadcast of the actual live event, and it is a licensed rebroadcast. It's not available in online or any other way. It does have to be a licensed uh, John Maxwell team member and coach in order to present that. We're presenting it this coming Friday on uh November the 2nd in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, if anybody happens to be interested and wants to check it out, all they have to do is go to l 2 l dot johnmaxwell.com. Once again, l2l.johnmaxwell.com. When that comes up, you're going to see Live to Lead, and up at the top uh, in the menu, you're going to see uh, a couple of things where it says attend live or attend locally. If you click on attend locally and you type in Louisville, Kentucky, you'll find uh, the link there. It gives you some information about that, but also the link to, to purchase your seat if you're interested in being a part of that uh, live event in Louisville, Kentucky. Well, that I think that would be so important. I'm going to push this out um, you know, soon so that people can connect to this podcast because you know, being a part of the Live to Lead, being there live for the last few times, uh, it, it can really transform your thinking. And so if you're in transformation, if you are just searching for purpose, if you believe that there's something that's pulling you to do something to connect to people that are like-minded thinkers, 
I really, really encourage people that are in this area, if they have the availability, to go into Louisville to this Live to Lead with Dan um, and his team because it's really, it could be changing your life. And this year it's Tyler Perry, it's Daniel Pink, it's Deborah Cyril, and Carly Fiorina joining John Maxwell. Yeah. Amazing. Correct. It's an amazing event. And so yeah. I really, really want to encourage people to do that. Thank you. It's an all-star lineup. It really is. And so, uh, you know, getting all those people in one place is just phenomenal. And to speak to leadership and leadership, uh, which is part of the focus of this year, is, is, is shifting and how we see things. And the theme really is about possibilities. And that's really what you and I have been talking about. You know, the last uh, 45, 50 minutes is mm-hmm. the possibilities. What what are the possibilities to us? What are the possibilities? You know, yep. Yeah. You know, you mentioned a little earlier about influence. And just a side note, while I have influence with the John Maxwell team, there's 20,000 people. I have to tell you, uh, probably the thing that I am, am the most thrilled with is having been able to travel with John to Guatemala and then to Paraguay, and then to Costa Rica this past year. And we went in teaching leadership values. And uh, in, in those countries, in Guatemala, we touched 20,000 people. In Paraguay, it was 18,000. In Costa Rica, it was around 15,000. And they have started a transformational movement in those countries. Now, it's been several years ago that we went to Guatemala. But since that time there, uh, the goal for those 20,000 was to teach and train 300,000, they were able to accomplish that. This is not addition. This is multiplication. Mm -hmm. And so the the teaching I did with the people when I was there was just, I was influencing them and they turned around and influenced others Mm -hmm. who influenced more, who influenced more. So the influence, even though you may not know it, the influence is compounding. And for me, when I pastored, I wanted to be able just to change my church. Once in a while, I even thought I might be able to impact the city. And then once in a while, I'd really get crazy and think maybe I might have an impact on the entire state. But to think I had some influence in the entire nation or country was beyond the realm of my natural reasoning. Mm -hmm. But I have not only seen it, I've been a part. I I was there in the room when we launched in Guatemala in the presidential palace on national TV. Now, that to me was so humbling. I went expecting to give, and I received far more than I ever gave. And any time we went to another nation and talked about leadership and leadership values and the transition there, it is so humbling to walk away and realize that here we are uh, in, in the United States, and the influence that we have, and we take it for granted, not only that, the, 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 the skill set that we have and, and the resources that we have access to that we do not use. If we just used what we have in our hand, we could have a major impact on the world. And when I leave, I want my legacy to be that I had some influence over some people and made a difference in their lives. Well, Dan Caldwell, you sure have made an influence in my life. And I really appreciate you. And I am so thankful that you came on this program to share your story. This has been pretty amazing, pretty amazing hour. <laughs> and well, 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 
Well, thank you. It's been it's been a delight and a pleasure, Melly. Always great to talk with you and, and Joe and just uh, hang out with you whenever we get a chance to do that. But uh, thank you for, for the honor and humble to be able to share this time with you. Yeah, I thank really you. appreciate it. Well, I'm going to, um, so Dan Caldwell, uh, what, how can we connect to you besides Live to Lead? How can people connect to you? <laughs> It's real simple, Dan Caldwell at johnmaxwellgroup.com. That's my email, Dan Caldwell at johnmaxwellgroup.com. Okay. And uh, be glad to respond if someone drops me an email. But uh, thank you again, Melly, for the opportunity. You're very welcome. Have a fantastic event, and we will get this pushed out, and hopefully you'll get a lot of people uh, at the event. Connect to Dan. Tell them that you listen to the podcast. And, uh, and maybe he'll, he'll help you through your transformation as well. So thanks a lot, Dan. Thank you. Give Joe a hug for me. Hope to see you real soon. All right. Bye-bye. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit is coming to Indianapolis, Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. Join me along with the 50 and 50 guests from Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. This exclusive event will take place at the beautiful Newfields Indianapolis Museum of Art on Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. You won't want to miss this one-of-a-kind leadership workshop where you will personally engage with these 50 leaders and learn how to apply their strategies to live your life with success. Don't miss this opportunity. You can be a part of this exclusive inaugural leadership summit here in Indianapolis, March 2nd, 2019. Remember, there's limited space available, so reserve your spot now. If you know of anyone that would be interested in sponsoring this exclusive event, please have them contact me directly at make at makeconnectionsforlife.com. Thank you for following the podcast of Everyday Leaders 50 and 50.